Welcome to Oops I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about random political shit or uh, shit in pop culture that we make political. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the big shorts. You mean shorts that are big? Yeah. Are they uh, comfy and easy to wear? Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, (laughs) fashion accessories and shit like that. That's our new uh, direction. But no, we're talking about... The movie that came out, I think, in late 2005-ish? Mm-hmm. No. No, what? 2005? 2015. 2015. <laughs> I am... I, the, wow, this was a very prophetic movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought the movie that came out in, in 2015. Based off a book in 2010? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And um, starring Steve Carell, Christian Bale, uh, Brad Pitt. Frank Gosling. Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez. <laughs> she's not starring, but she's in Marco it. Robbie. Uh, yeah, but it has a huge cast, and basically it's all about the 2008 banking collapse. And basically about how... Uh, but you know whatever. Yeah, 2007, <laughs> but it's all about how um, a group of outsiders and weirdos uh, were able to pre- predict that the bank crash is going to happen because they actually looked at the the loans that were being uh, distributed, and they realized they were garbage, and this was destined to c- collapse. And and they made money off it. That's yeah. that's what the whole story is. Them trying to make money off of this inevitable collapse. So yeah. I have a Daryl level uh, confession to make. I saw this movie for the first time two days ago. Uh, this might be my favorite movie in my mind, mind too. I really, I really, really like this movie. Me too. Like it, it is, is very, the story it tells or as a movie. Like both, both. Because I really didn't quite enjoy it as a movie. Really? No. Uh, to put it in context, for another show on the Comrade Network feed, I uh, earlier in the week I had watched The Godfather, and I found this movie so much more engaging. So just to put it in context, I I think this movie is a movie everyone should see. Like uh, I didn't and, 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 like you can talk about best movie, uh, favorite movie, but this is a movie I would say is the one movie if like I were to make everyone watch a movie, it would be this one. I just, just think it. I I very rarely see a movie that in my opinion, succeeds so hard at what it tried to do. Yeah. Like, it's um, it's a kind of movie that might not be for everybody. People might not get as engaged as I did with the characters or with the plot. But, like, it set out to explain, like, the mortgage crisis and show, like, somewhat of the human side of it, but without a lot making... Of, a lot of the human side, and that's what made it yeah. good, I think. Yeah, there, no, like... there's a lot of the human side, but it wasn't, like... We talked about this in the Hamilton episode, where it was, like totally detached from the story sometimes where it's just like scenes of monologue and stuff and i felt like this it was always framed in the bigger narrative of the mortgage crisis yeah yeah and there was only like one like the stuff with steve carell's character like there's a little there's some of his personal stuff but it's so not taking up screen time most of most of the personal stuff is just to uh, flesh out the characters a bit as the plot's going along yeah but Phil, summarize the movie for us. Okay, so <laughs> my disclaimer, uh, like I said to you guys before, is I I was even he- hesitant to do this episode at all. Because he loves I, Banks so much. I love him. No, I... I, I, uh, he's, I that's why he hates <laughs> punching Nazis, because he's like the pure centrist, uh, uh, neoliberal piece of shit that God we damn it. suspected. I love Nazi Banks. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I really feel like we are under-equipped to talk about this topic. Oh, like, yeah. Even even as someone, I, I actually, like, for one semester taught an economics class, and that made me realize, holy shit, I don't know much about economics. There's It's such a complicated topic that even a piece of, any piece of legislation having to do with the economy will be, like, a thousand pages long and impossible to read. Like, it is, 
it is a really complicated yeah. topic, and that's why I think the movie actually does a really good job because it does actually break down a lot of these really high concept, complicated things and make it easy for the average viewer to watch. But I feel like it doesn't dumb it down. I, 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 I would admit it does dumb it down. Yeah, but I mean, does. like, relative. I mean, yes, it dumbs it, it down. It does but, dumb it down, but it has to, because no it, one would yeah. watch the movie otherwise. And I think it's important that people see this movie. I feel like it doesn't talk down to the audience, I guess. I mean, it does literally. Well, do. I think it yeah, does. They literally do. But that's like, but that's for the joke. They talk. Like, they talk. They talk down to the audience. But like, we're using. We're using. We're using these terms that are usually used as a negative. But here, it's mandatory. Yeah. To make this yeah. into a movie that people want to that, see. That's I, what I mean. Like relative to what I expect a movie about the mortgage crisis to be, I felt like it gives us more credit than I than I thought it would. Yeah, it really does though. It's like imagine I have an apple, and then this apple does like they but do it's take tongue in cheek. But that, that's that is that is really valuable because uh, I knew a little bit about, about this stuff before before I saw this movie. I knew about derivatives, but all I really knew was it's kind of like uh, they will take your money and gamble with it, and yeah. they will make risk risk your bets. But the movie sums it up as basically uh, people will make bets on your bets uh, while you're at a, a casino table, and, and people make bigger bigger odds on yeah. each individual bet towards your to, towards your uh, card outcome or whatever. Yeah, the way they visualize it and make it more palatable to, to understand was really useful to make these concepts under like uh, so you can uh, more accessible and uh, so that people can understand what they need to look out for. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, to just add to what Phil was saying, I gave an economics lesson this morning that was supposed to be on supply and demand, and I was like, nope, we're gonna learn about the mortgage crisis instead because <laughs> I was super stoked about this movie. So, like, and I found myself accidentally using a lot of the analogies they were using because it's done, and this was to a high school student. So, like, it was, it really is digestible, but I didn't feel like I was missing too much. See, I didn't... Like, I did feel like it went pretty deep. I didn't feel like it was all that digestible because the movie is obsessed with doing quick cuts to make it seem, like, more frenetic and chaotic, and it makes it hard to follow a lot of what's happening. I think I do understand where he's coming how, from. Though. How do I, they not do a lot of quick cuts? They do the uh, yeah. The movie's very frenetic, but that's. But I think that's just to make sure you have your, has your attention as it's going through what should be boring material, super boring material. But I, I, I think could it, see I think that it, being distracting. Yeah, it distracts from the stuff that they're talking about, especially if they're like they're mentioning something from a character, but they're panning at something else, or they're like cutting to it and back and forth between the character talking and something else. Like it, it's not. I don't. I didn't need it to sit on one character that's like standing in front of the camera explaining something to you the whole time. But it just like it does it like constantly. I think it needs to do that because uh, most people aren't are going to just want to sit down. But the people sitting down to watch this movie aren't the people that are that need that kind of entertainment or that kind of. Yes, they are. I don't think that's true. This is pretty popular. Yeah, this is very popular, and this is popular for people who want to just see Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell. And uh, Christian Bale and Brad Pitt in the movie together. I didn't think about oh, I want to see about the banking crisis necessarily. And this movie is catered to that audience. I just want to see these guys have fun with their roles. Which that's really funny because that's why I didn't see it originally. Because I was like, oh, this is just going to be all these like Hollywood guys having fun with their roles. And then someone, one of my friends was like, you have to watch it. And then I did. I was like, oh, I was way wrong. Was that was that Sly? That one of <laughs> no, your friends? No, it, it was John. Uh, I did it first. Fuck you, like months ago. And you ignore me. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, we're the exception that proves the rule in my opinion because most people aren't like us and how they consume the media. Just look at how popular Game of Thrones is, and I waste my. Oh, we're not going on that. All right, yeah, I, I, don't give. <laughs> it's okay, started. let's get so, to the movie. Something almost as infuriating as the Game of Thrones TV show, uh, <laughs> the the mortgage crisis. 
Um, so basically, this movie follows a few, like Sly said, like outsiders in the broker scene. Um, Steve Carell and well, first there's uh, what's his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale, and I think he's he's he plays like this like loner who's like weird. He's like he, an autistic. Yeah, like, but yeah. he he really like sees all these um, patterns in the market that other people are missing. And he's actually, he's the only person to actually look at all the loans because people say, there's millions of loans. Why would you ever look at them? He's like, I did because that's what yeah. I do. I look at and all this shit. One thing that most people probably know, but these are all real people. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're actors, but they're playing real people. Like, this is based on real events. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you have Steve Carell's character who is also kind of like an outsider or like a loner in Wall Street. He's um, like a guy who hates uh, Wall Street's greediness. Uh, and he's trying to be like more like an like a honest banker kind of person. He's trying to like kind of do the right thing from inside the system. Right. Yeah. And the overall gist of the movie is all these people start to see in the mortgage and housing market that a lot of these loans that are packaged together and rated. Because, you know, every loan is rated at a certain thing. Um, and a lot of these AAA rated loans, which are the best they can be. Actually, Meaning, have like, the least risky, right? Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. It's the same way with credit works. Like you know, there was we were arguing about like should the United States have a triple A credit rating? It's like does someone want to lend to you with almost no risk, and that's the best you want? Like that's basically the the least yeah. risky, best best type of loan. So a triple A uh, rate loan that you would see would have like high credit score, low debt to income ratio, stable employment, like stuff like that. Those are people that are probably going to pay you back, right? So they started to realize that in these packages of hundreds of loans, there were actually a lot of turd sandwiches in there. And by that, I mean really risky bets. It was, Pack- mostly, it was mostly turd sandwiches. Like, yeah. That's, well, that's- originally, it was mostly good with a couple turds hidden in there. And as time went on, banks realized they could keep making more and more money by putting lots of turds in there because then they get more people taking out loans. Yeah, because they, they right. couldn't find a way to even sell the turd sandwiches. And also, because uh, uh, they're basically ran out of good loans to sell, and they want to keep making more money, and no one was yeah. stopping them, so they just kept selling the shitty loans as good loans. Yeah, that. and right. because they had, like, they because everything was private, the companies that were in charge of ranking them were kind of, like, in on it and were just giving triple A's to things that didn't deserve it. Right. Yeah. And the, basically, the main characters in this movie want to short this market. And what a short is, is like, most of the time when you think about stocks, you want to make an investment because you're betting that it's going to go up. So Microsoft, I think, is going to do better this year. I'm going to buy Microsoft now. It's going to go up. I'm going to sell it later. A short is when you're like, I think Microsoft's going to go down. I'm going to sell it at the current price of whatever it is. And then once it drops down, you pay it back then. So yeah, if you rent it from the, the owners and then you, you sell it to somebody else. For a price, and when it's, when it's super cheap, you buy it back and give it back to original owner. Yeah, basically. and the right. way Christian Bale's character kind of does it is he goes to Goldman Sachs, right? Well, he goes to a bunch of banks. He goes to a lot of banks, and he basically makes a bet with all of their, like he he says like, okay, I'm betting, I'm doing these shorts to bet that the market is going to go down, which it's apparently never done before. Yeah, and if it goes up. I will pay you premium fees every year. If it goes down, you have to give me like $2 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shorting is very risky in real life because... Or actually, you, way, it's way more than $2 billion. Yeah. If you buy Microsoft stock and it goes down, you can only lose however much it drops, which is a finite amount because if you bought it for $100 per share, you can only lose $100 per share. And also, you, uh, to make it worth it, to, uh, to make any more profit, you have to do a lot of money. I think he does $1.8 billion. Yeah, $1 billion. Yeah. <laughs> but shorting, when you... 
bet it's going to go down, it, you have an infinite amount of loss potentially because it can go up forever. And th- like Ryan said, the housing market since the 1930s has never gone yeah. down nationwide. So the yeah. way it gets broken down with his company is he puts up $1.8 billion worth of these uh, shorts. And he says they're going to go down in 07. And this is it starts in like 04. For every year that they go up, I have to Christian Bale has to pay them ninety million dollars. Yeah. And then if it tanks, he will make a huge return on his investment. But in the meantime, he's almost bankrupting his company every year. But uh, on top of that, uh, another element is as they're making these uh, shorts, they're also going around the banking industry and learning like how fucked up it is. Like they learn how uh, one one person has a sister who uh, is a regulator, and she talks about how she basically basically works for the banks and gives them whatever they want and like same thing with uh the people who give the credit scores basically just work for the banks because they're afraid they'll go yeah. to other credit, credit rating agencies and the biggest thing is how the bank most people in this industry are fucking idiots who just like getting drunk and partying all the time and yeah. have no idea how any of this shit actually works so that's all learned through steve carell's character who they stumble upon this deal and they find out that people think that the the market is a like these you know ryan gosling's character and christian bale's character think the market's about to tank so before they give any money they're like let's do some like investigating and they go around to a lot of neighborhoods and they see that all of these loans these mortgages were given to people with no credit scores no income and just basically like they would take their finders fees and then give them adjustable rate mortgages so in three or four years their mortgages would go up by two to four hundred percent their houses would foreclose, the banks would repossess them, and the banks keep making money, but now the banks can't flip the houses because they go to a neighborhood in Miami and there's, like, every single house is foreclosed. Yeah. So the bank can't sell and get back their losses, so they're just sitting on a bunch of shitty abandoned houses. Yeah, and uh, Brad Pitt's character, just as an extra note, is kind of like a survivalist type of guy who basically is the banking industry is a piece of shit. And the size can collapse. Um, and one of the final notes of the movie is uh, Christian Bale's character is um, uh, he, he's the guy who predicted the, the, the crash. And right now, the only thing he's investing in anymore is water. So yeah, it leaves on that ominous note for us. Yeah, and <laughs> like Brad Pitt is brought back in by these two like really young upstart like millennials that are like, oh, we took you know a. $10,000 company and turns into a $30 million company and like Chase tells them like that's nothing that's not any amount of money that matters at all but to them it's huge so they're trying to get in and they bring in this expert Brad Pitt who had quit the market because he realized how shitty it was so they're like celebrating these smart deals they're making and Brad Pitt is like you know you're betting that thousands of people will lose their jobs and die yeah he says stop, stop dancing stop clapping you're gonna profit off uh, the entire market collapse and he says like you, you know be happy but don't fucking dance at least because this, this is a horrible thing that's happening that's what's yeah. interesting is that like the characters kind of don't make any of the action of the movie happen they just they're they leech off of the in like the collapse that's gonna happen they're just making bets on the side yeah at the same time though we do see some of the characters try to help like, they go to the press. They go to the Wall Street Journal, and the Wall yeah. Street Journal says, I've spent years making connections with Wall Street. I'm not going to publish articles that they're all fraudulent. Yeah. And, yeah. like, Ryan Gosling's character goes to other banks to try to get them to... I mean, he's trying to make a lot of money, but he says to Steve Carell's character, I went to these banks, and they laughed me out of the room. Yeah. Nobody cares. And Steve Carell even goes to, 
like conventions and he asks people in public forums the the market is going to crash what are you going to do about it and they laugh him out of the room yeah so it's not like i mean yeah they make lots and lots of money but we do see the internal struggle of them they're not just sharks they're trying to help it and they just no one will listen to them and there is internal struggle in, uh, character wise because at the end uh, with it when uh, spoilers <laughs> spoilers <laughs> the fucking economy crashes Whoa. spoilers <laughs> yeah. what if i didn't what if i didn't get up to 2008 yet but uh, uh, Steve Carell actually struggles. Like, should we sh- should we sell off and make the, this massive profit? Because then aren't we just as bad as them using uh, making profit off? But this? the, the counter argument that they make is you're taking money from them this time. Yeah, they took money from people. We're taking it back from these assholes that did this. Except that with the bailouts, it's the taxpayers giving the banks the money to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they're still taking, yeah. they're still taking money yeah. from people. <laughs> yep. Well, that's they even say like, what is the what is the government gonna do? Gonna bail it out, and then that's what happens. And they're like, well, shit. And that's another reason why they struggle with it because they're like, uh, Steve Carell says like they knew they're gonna get bailed out, and they, so like uh, if we take the money now, we're just just as bad as they mm-hmm. are, aren't we? So that's it's it's, it's it's a lot of like discussions of that. But then he takes the money. Yeah, because it's a lot of money. It's millions, like two hundred yeah. million or something they had. And also, they lost a lot of money doing some entire things. So they wasted uh, years of their lives and all this time and and money to short. And like they're losing their jobs because like the banks they work for are folding. They're in the hole for like fifteen billion dollars. Yeah. So we we kind of hijacked the narration from. uh, (laughs) No, it's good. I I I forgot. I I saw this actually over the summer. Now that I'm thinking about it, so it's been a few months. Let's just summarize our thoughts real quick. So Daryl, you think it's too phonetic? The for the movie trying to convey like you guys saying that. Um, how they're trying to get like a normal audience to understand it. I still think that's like a insurmountable task that the movie couldn't so, reach. Okay, so you don't. But I mean, you can you can understand to the point, like Sly said, that it's people gambling with your loans. Yeah. But, so do you think it's too heavy on the jargon or too heavy on the dumbing it down? Uh. Because if it doesn't succeed, it has to go one way or the other. It's the way they do the presentation. Oh, okay. Like, it's not necessarily like, oh, they shouldn't have dumbed it down. It's that you need to make it a lot more clear than you did rather than just being like, here's Selena Gomez. Yeah, one of the stylistic choices they make throughout the movie is they say to the audience, like, this is really boring. We could do an exposition dump or we could do, like, a fun, quirky scene that makes it more fun to watch. Like, here's Margot Robbie drinking champagne in a bathtub or (laughs) here's Selena Gomez gambling. And I thought it was really well done. I did but too. I think that that's a. It's. I, I was really impressed by it, but I could see feeling the other way. I'm also always like wary on films that are based in real life, but they don't specifically say what is taken from real life and what isn't. Well, like, they the, do the actually they... explicitly say to you, "This isn't really what happened." They yeah. got a phone call from their friend, but we're gonna pretend that they found this. I know they they do that once, it's... but it doesn't do it yeah, throughout like the whole true. movie about what conversations were real and weren't. They they That's do true. they do that at least uh, two more times. They, they, when, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Steve Carell making the objection at the the one, and the final uh, meeting at the end at uh, with the the guy he talked to at the presentation. Like, the, uh, and I always love that. Like, and when they have like when they have um, based on real stories, and they actually turn to the camera and say, "This is part of real." Like, it might seem unbelievable, but this part is real. Like in um, that movie, I forget what it's called. I mean, they do that in Hamilton too. Pain and gain, pain and gain, where they pause yeah. it and they say, like, yes, they literally baked human hands on the grill. This actually happened. Spoilers. So, do we know how accurate this movie is? 
Uh, so I was doing a bit of uh, digging just to see what crit- the common criticism criticisms were, <laughs> and people generally seem to rate it pretty well. I even went on like, I mean, not that this is like the uh, Economist forum, but like uh, our economics on Reddit. People are mostly economists there. Oh, is that uh, a credit university? So <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and people generally seem to think it is mostly accurate. They like they all say that it dumbed it down. Um, they like they leave out the Federal Reserve completely, which is a big part of. Yeah, they kind of just like bring up Alan Greenspan and then don't yeah. elaborate and at all. Yeah, and then they just yeah, they just drop. And it. as soon as Alan Greenspan is mentioned, I'm like, ooh, this is what I want to know about, and it it doesn't really. <laughs> come um, so most people that I've I've read about do seem to think it it is mostly good, especially because they are trying to do this in two hours and reach a general audience. Two hours, like, ten minutes. You know. Yeah. Could you <laughs> could you get into everything in a movie length? Probably like no, you can't. Because um, then when does it go from movie length to dramatic? dramatized lecture yeah um also you have to be entertaining right? yeah that's, that's always the biggest thing for me that's why i actually i thought those little cameos were cool because it did it do, it is just like hey entertainment yeah. um like uh, humans yeah. are pretty uh like we're, we're monkeys like you just throw a <laughs> banana in their face and keys jiggles keys their face like that's what will make us pay attention like we might like lectures and shit like that <laughs> um so the biggest complaints i did see about the movie were that they left out the role of the federal government because some some people would say that the movie just says look at how asshole bankers are and that's it whereas some people would say that the government's role in trying to tell lending companies hey lend to more uh, low socioeconomic that's something i want to get into later yeah uh so I'll, I'll mostly save it but some people say that the government had a big part in pressuring these loan companies to lend to people that they shouldn't have been and that they were not talked about at all in the movie it's just about the bank's greed um and even in the end they're just like it's obviously trying to say these bankers deserve to go to jail it says not one of them has gone to jail yet you know like they they did they say one guy there was one guy they literally did they literally did to go to go jail. But what I, what I mean is, like, they, they the movie has an obvious, like, we... Yeah, we, but that's... Uh, I think you have to have a... a, a when, you, when you're making a... You have to have a point at some, at some point. I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, no, that, I think that that's, that's fair, but I would have really liked to see the government's response and, like, the things that led up to it. But that is, you know... That should be a separate movie. That, that's it should be. Yeah, I would love to see that. you're bringing a lot of different players at yeah, that point into for the movie. Sure. Yeah, that's very true. Um, other than that, people really did seem to think it did a really good job. Um, even people who didn't like it as a movie generally tend to like the the way it presented a lot of these big economic theories. Yeah, I, um, I still think even with my reservations that it is a good movie. You should probably see it if you have any interest in any of this. Some I, I heard someone saying the movie Margin Call. Um, do, I haven't the, seen that one. But... I haven't seen it either. So I, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but some of the people who criticize... Oh, big short for being a, incomplete. So it's a movie called The Margin Call. I thought you were saying this movie Margin Calls, and that's a term I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, some people who are saying that it, it's an incomplete movie because it doesn't talk about the Fed and things like that, Margin Call does a better job. But I don't know. I, I can't speak I to also it. think that the way the characters that they focus on are our audience surrogates into the banking side of it. Yeah. They would have to, like Daryl said, have to restructure all the players to cover the government side. Mm-hmm. I also, uh, just one more criticism um, about that is that people also say that the movie pr- like sets up the situation where it seems like five guys are smarter than everyone else in the world and everyone's just such a fucking idiot that they all miss this. Whereas people like Paul Krugman, the guy who writes economics for the New York Times, 
he says like a lot of people actually did realize this was was happening it's just people in positions of power to change things denied it like there were other people who were like hey the housing market could actually crash but the movie kind of pretends like it's but, just but, but, Steve Carell. But broad strokes, people, uh, I, they, like at least on the on the pro banking side, the general consensus was unanimously the banking was great. Oh, like definitely, the, definitely. It's but, just it's it's a bigger group than these four guys. And also, like yeah. if if you're in the if you're in the banking bubble, that's probably accurate the way they were treated, the way they acted towards it. Like if you're in the middle of Wall Street, they're gonna act like that. They're not gonna yeah like, people like Paul Krugman probably for sure. No, but I understand what Phil's saying that it really does seem like these five outsiders were the only ones that figured it out. That also that also plays better for entertainment purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To be yeah. the ultimate uh, underdog. Yeah. I, and also, in terms of adding movies that people should see, uh, I recommend the movie Inside Job, which isn't a movie, it's a documentary, but uh, it's about... 9-11. Uh, <laughs> it's about uh, how the, the bank... <laughs> how, how basically the, the Slide's bank... not funny. <laughs> fuck you. The banking collapse was uh, Inside Job, and um, it, it does a really good job of, of showing how we got to this point, and it narrates how... Back in like the seventies, like in the movie, they mentioned briefly how banking was just a job where you, a boring job where you uh, you have your local banker and that was it. it was just a boring job like that. And then uh, after like the eighties, it became like this booming industry, and all the people who used to uh, bank and uh, own a train company on the side were now just uh, they're like, oh yeah, I'm a financial genius now. I make so much money just because this industry is booming on me because all we're doing is moving money around. And and then. Um, uh, it has interviews with people uh, involved with the crash, and you can really see uh, Big Short is fully accurate in how these people are fucking stupid and they're incompetent assholes. These people are pieces of shit. They are pieces of shit. Yeah, oh. I mean, they destroyed okay. the world economy. Not, not, not thinking they would do it though. No, yeah. but, but but like they uh, through their incompetence, they are hurting the world. They hurt the world. They're hurting the world still. And um, also, like you have to give, we have to give some blame to people that engage in predatory lending, like. Mm-hmm. You, they oh, yeah, don't sure. like when they don't tell people taking out mortgages. Like when Steve Carell goes and sees a stripper who owns five houses, and she doesn't understand what an adjustable rate mortgage is. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, uh, and these aren't bad people. Then who is like these? Yeah, are, yeah. Like, Nazis. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but I we just, can't punch them. Yeah, no, like, don't don't do that. I took oh, so, out so can we punch yeah. bankers? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I would. I would. I'll so like, you just I, want to assault everyone, it's like. <laughs> Uh, uh, people who are fucking uh, ruining people's lives uh, just for sake of greed uh, to get an extra yacht, yeah, fuck them. I agree. So <laughs> you want to talk about what happened after this, Lai? I'm going to talk about the reform, quote unquote. Well, not really, not <laughs> quote, unquote. quote unquote, it, it is, but like it is. it is weak sauce bullshit reform. <laughs> weak sauce. So uh, Dodd Frank was a bill. Uh, uh, basically, Obama pushed it and. Chris, sound more excited about this <laughs> and uh, Chris Dodd uh, who became a fucking lobbyist and Barney Frank another corporate ass- uh, Democrat asshole both uh, wrote it uh, hence Chris Dodd and Dodd uh, Frank it, Dodd Frank <laughs> Dodd Frank or whatever <laughs> uh, but um, yeah so it, it was super uh, just like most of Obama's policies it was just like, just to so get one note it's just, but like seriously, it's what he, what he did. He would have a bill that would address very minor uh, things with, with an issue and say, "Look, I addressed it. It's done." And uh, and you have, I think that's fair. But I mean, if we're being real here, I'm not trying to be a, uh, an apologist. But if he's like, "My bill is going to uh, reform the entire banking industry. We're going to send all these bankers to jail." Uh, like, you think it's going to pass, Congress? But the, the thing is, like, uh, it's just, it's just. No, it that, wouldn't. That, that's but but you but, but then you have like this. 
in a way it made it worse because uh, now it definitely did make it worse. No, but in a way, it did, in a way, it did because now uh, you had it became a rallying cry around bankers saying, "Look at this insane fucking regulation! Obama's so killing nothing and let them stay satisfied." No, but like, but like, now we could blame it on the regulation, even though there was no regulation. One, yeah, but I don't see how to fix that if he can't get fully, fully problem-solving regulation through. You should do nothing. You should try. You should fight harder. Like you should fight harder for things that actually matter instead of. But if he fought harder, I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't things he could have fought harder on, but in this instance, I think they needed something done immediately to fix this problem. But it didn't fix the problem at all. It 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 just kicked the can down the road, basically. And I don't, most, literally, just, all of, most of the regulations as part of Dodd Frank. Most like most of them didn't even take place until years after, and people kept getting extensions on the regulations. Any regulations we had. Okay, but I okay, I just took out a mortgage a couple months ago, and the com- the comparison with my experience, and I know this is totally anecdotal, but so many of the things that I had to sign had Obama era reforms listed on them as due to this bill from 2008, due to this bill from 2010. You have to read this and sign it. And they told me things, like, in this paperwork, and I know we're in New York, which is a much more regulated state than usual places, but due to federal regulations, I had to see, my bank had to give me a fully accurate monthly cost for the next 30 years for my house. And that that's a huge deal, because the whole point of this was they were giving loans to people that couldn't afford it, and I, I also had to get co-signers, because my income wasn't enough. My credit score was great, but I needed three people with high credit scores to sign on. Like it that was- is all true. But here's the here's the thing: none of that will matter at all because the underlying problem the, the the banking industry is still there. The banks are bigger now than they they were back in 2008 when they were too big to fail. The, 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 there's more uh, derivative uh, risky bets than there were in 2008. There's more being uh, there's more money being gambled on than there is in the economy now. We can't even bail them out if if, if we have to. Well, we we is- are literally on a ticking time bomb, and all the stuff you're talking about, and this is what I'm talking about with, with, yeah. with Obama in general. He will solve uh, issues. That, those are important issues, but w- w- if the economy collapses, what does that matter? Yeah, no, that's very fair. And I'm I'm reading a New York Post uh, opinion piece because you know that's top of the top of the line for journalism, but. It's all about how Obama's setting us up for another housing crash. Yeah. And to literally just read the headline. <laughs> but it's saying how as since – this was written in 2016. So mm-hmm. they're saying over the last couple of years, the debt-to-income ratio has gone up and up for home buyers as the value of houses has skyrocketed because now we're out of that crash, more mm-hmm. or less. And at the same time, Obama's been trying to invest in uh, – first-time homebuyers, which is the only reason I was able to buy the house that I'm living in right now, is because they gave us programs that let me put lower down payments down and have... But the thing is, we still needed to prove so much shit about our income and all this stuff, and that's the thing that Phil was getting at before, is the argument of how do you invest in poor people trying to climb up and invest in property without having riskier... Without having so many risky mortgages, so Phil, how would, how do you walk that line? 
Uh, you don't. <laughs> this is this is an inherent problem with uh, loans and like slash the banking system in general. It's always going to have instability. I mean, well, it doesn't have. Because uh, got rid of Glass Steagall, it's always going to have instability. Uh, Clinton got rid of Glass Steagall. Yeah. Because yes. Because uh, 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 until so we got rid of Glass Steagall, some backstory on that to the listeners. Uh, Glass Steagall is was uh, part when when the Great Depression happened. Glass Steagall basically wasn't stated to make sure that uh, banks could not gamble with your money. So that what basically what happened with the 2008 crash, uh, uh, Clinton was really uh, one that caused the 2008 crash uh, yeah. the most because basically he before he left office he made it so Glass Steagall was gone saying we don't need any more and now what we have to look forward to is unfettered capitalism which means bigger, uh, more regular boom and bust cycles and the booms are gonna get uh, lower and the busts are gonna get worse and that's thanks to Clinton and uh, the system we have now. Yeah, it is important to note that, like, um, in, in a capitalist economy, like, booms and busts are just par for the course. Like, it's yeah. never not had that. And bankers always do provide a service that is an unproductive one at its core. They are making money by not actually producing anything. They are just yeah. moving money around and taking some of it from everyone else. That's, like, inherent in the in banking. It's been like that for thousands of years. This is why... Uh, it was illegal for Christians to be bankers for thousands in many European countries because they're like, this is against the Bible. That's why they made Jews be bankers. And that's why every time there was an economic crash in any country, they're like, oh, the fucking Jews took all our money. Yeah. Beca- because bankers don't do anything besides take your money. Yeah. But what are, the, what are the, just real quick, the just to go into a little more detail about that, sorry to cut you off, Phil, but no, when they fine. say gambling with your own money, this is why the bailouts happened because all these loans and everything that they're buying and selling with like that was with people's like 401ks and like they were using other like if you go to chase and deposit money they are using that money to make these gambles so and what, lo- what glass steagall did is separate commercial banking and investment banking so yeah. they would still gamble with your stock money yeah but that's because that's that's, that's what for. Cut, yeah it's what you're investing for yeah. for yeah. you like make me fucking money with this Whereas commercial banking is like, hey, I want to put my savings. Those were separated with Glass-Steagall. Yeah, so and when, even even yeah. if the stock market crashes, companies will still go down. People still lose their jobs. But your savings yeah. and yeah. stuff like that will be protected. And that's why when Slice says too big to fail, that's what yeah. it means is like if Chase was to go under during the mortgage crash, so many people, like millions and millions of people would lose all of their life savings. Yeah. And the, the, the like Bernie Bernie uh, Sanders and uh, Warren keep suggesting the solution is to break up the big banks so they can't be as big anymore, and to reinstate Glass Steagall so they can't gamble their money anymore. And that's uh, what Obama should have fought for specifically. But uh, the, you know, we could have had it all. We could have had a Bernie, but we didn't. So what was yeah. the reason for getting rid of Glass Steagall? Like, what was it, it doing? It, that it, was wrong? It, uh, Clinton and his neoliberal pieces of shit, little neoliberal <laughs> assholes, all were like, we are literal assholes. <laughs> but like, they were little neoliberals. Like, I'm not being like just yeah, using yeah, time. I know. Little neoliberals were like, we don't need anymore. It's uh, a banking staple now. It's fine. It's yeah, because it was it was sixty years after the passage of it. They're just like, we don't. This isn't necessary. Oh, they just it's it was very like draconian. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's very reminiscent of when they repealed the Voters' Rights Act. I was about to say like, that. It's fine. Yeah. It's over. Racism's over. It's almost as if we're going backwards to the nineteen twenties and earlier yeah. now. So what did? So what is Trump gonna do about the banking? Yeah. So now after I shit on, on Dodd Frank, I'm gonna say, like most of Obama's policies, it wasn't good enough. But man, it's gonna suck. That's going away. Cause that's, <laughs> yeah. Because now, uh, just like Obamacare, Trump wants to. Uh, he already passed an executive order to. Started uh, tearing away at... Uh, for uh, context, we're recording this Wednesday the 8th. So 
in Trump's America, these things change every fucking two hours. So yeah, three fifty-two have yeah. Wednesday the eighth. <laughs> so, uh, so last Friday, he he right now is just an executive order to just ask bankers like, what do you hate about uh, uh, Chris uh, Dodd Frank, and how what can we appeal from it basically? It's just to see what what the bankers want to get rid of. Yeah, because he can't actually do anything to it with executive orders. Yeah. he has to it has to go through Congress. Oh, don't worry, Congress Congress fucking always does the right thing. Thanks, thanks yeah. Betsy DeVos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just saw uh, several articles on the Hill saying uh, that. It's worse than it sounds. Like, he's actually not going to be able to repeal most of it. I have no faith in the Senate or the House to not just do the shittiest thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what what the, what the executive order did do that's actually substantive, he's going to, it repeals the fiduciary rule, which hasn't gone into effect yet. It was supposed to come into effect in 2017. It was issued under Obama appointee Tom Perez. It required financial advisors to choose their, their client's interest first when investing in money, as opposed to in choosing investments that would result in higher commissions oh, for themselves. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that. How how does anybody justify this? Uh, it's because it's capitalism. You get to. No. It's about giving these people an opportunity to make a profit. Okay, so this is why Trump justifies it. Uh, I have so many people, friends of mine, with nice business. They can't borrow money because the banks let them borrow because the rules and regulations in Dodd Frank. That, that's why we have to get rid of it. Yeah, you have to think when something sounds crazy. Just think like who who wants this to be passed and what are they thinking? And a lot of them are like. I my business is suffering. No, and therefore... I understand why billionaires and millionaires want this repealed. I just I see so many fucking like. Uh, but that's because we, we always say like you know they want to be millionaires one day, but it's not. A lot of them will will buy into this rhetoric that, which isn't all untrue. That when companies do well, they invest that in American jobs. But what is untrue? What is untrue is idea. Uh, the, other, the second part of that that. Regulations inherently always stifle American businesses. Yes. And they'll they'll mm-hmm. boom. Un, 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 uh, I don't know what the term is. Um, it grows infin- to infinity, and you can, it will never go down. Exponential growth. Exponential growth. Yes, yeah. infinite exponential growth. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is that they're that takes away not regulation, a real thing and that doesn't happen. Well, it's more like when you take away regulation, the 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 cost to the consumer versus the benefit of the business often is not actually like they're gonna save a little bit of money to fuck over us real bad and that's the thing is all those things that we're talking about all those like transparencies that the banks have to provide under Dodd-Frank like I had no idea what the fuck I was doing and the paperwork had to be written so that like not economists could understand what they were signing yeah whereas like when I talked to my parents about it they were like I had no idea you know we just had to sign 10,000 pieces of paper and, and as they say in the, the Big Short, they even say this, that the banks rely on you not being able to understand. That's how they rip you off, like, yeah. literally. And that's and now that we're going back to, the, like, in most cases with healthcare, with the banking industry, we're going back to the Wild West where you're on your own and, you're, and you, you don't know the stuff inside out. You're fucked. You're going to be fucked over. So when do you think the next crash is going to be? The, the predictions used to be, uh, when, when, the, when the assumptions were that Hillary was going to be next president, it was late 2017. Uh, so maybe that's still true, and especially with Trump probably making it worse. Who knows? Jesus. Maybe the economy will boom under Trump. Yeah, well, uh, you know, because well, we've had so much, we've had a period of complete growth under Obama. Naturally, it's going to keep going. That's what that's what uh, capitalism really believes. Uh, the, the idea that you will never go bust ever <laughs> yeah, again. You boom forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you fucking Trump supporters got fixed rate mortgages because if not, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, all for Trump supporters that are listening to our podcast. Well, you know, hey, I, I listen to fucking right wing assholes, and maybe some right wing assholes listen to us. Yeah, yeah, fuck you, right wing <laughs> asshole, you piece of shit. Thank you for listening. So what a show. I mean, you could be, you could be, you could be right wing and not be an asshole. 
But yeah, I know, but I listen to specifically right-wing assholes. Yeah, but if you want to repeal Dodd-Frank without any sort of replacement regulation, sorry, fuck you, you're an asshole. Yeah. No, repeal first, ask questions later. That's the new policy. Yeah. yeah. Repeal Obamacare, what are we replacing it with? Uh... It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll figure so it out. Just tell our constituents it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that's been our show then, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so thank you guys for listening to Flight Politics. Wait, hold on. All right, yeah, you do ahead. the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wait, watch the big short if you haven't. I, yeah, I highly probably, recommend it. You'll probably like it. And if not, it'll be, at least it'll be interesting for you to see stuff that you haven't thought about recently probably. Yeah. And I would if you guys, you know, agree with Daryl that maybe it's not as great as we think it is, you should definitely tell us about it in our Facebook group because it's been popping off lately and everyone's really mad. And uh, I want to thank everyone who joined me for the Bernie Sanders Ted Cruz debate stream. Which was a lot of fun. We had like 10 people in there. Wow. And we watched it and did like commentary on it and got really mad and all cheered when Ted Cruz congratulated someone for having MS. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So everyone should join the Upside Talk Politics Facebook group and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and all everywhere you find podcasts. And check uh, out all your local bookstores. Yeah. Wherever you find podcasts. <laughs> yeah, where you can get transcripts of us. <laughs> And uh, check out any other shows you want on the Comrade Radio Network. It's really good. Uh, who should we talk about, guys? Who's good? Everybody. Square Roots. Square Roots. They're halfway <laughs> that's, that's through. That's always Phil's choice. It's because I'm, like, I'm always like ta- thinking about Final Fantasy in my life. Oh, wait. So. Actually, you should check out Square Roots because it's KOTOR. They're halfway through KOTOR, and it's been really fun so far. But you should. I know I mentioned this recently, but by the time this comes out, you should listen to Instant Classic because Daryl's on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about Final Fantasy 15, and we're about halfway through it, and it is, boy, that is a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means, but okay. Oh, you'll find out if you listen to it. Okay. And just to be clear, uh, Instant Classic has nothing to do with Classic Schmassic. Yeah, they're different. <laughs> and I thought they were a spinoff show. Me too. <laughs> it's a spinoff of Square Roots. Yeah. And uh, I just did an episode with JB and Malcolm on the Comrade Radio feed. Uh, we watched, Me and JB watched The Godfather for the first time. Mm. And uh, spoilers, it was pretty good. <laughs> yep. It's a pretty yeah. good movie. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. So uh, that's all I got. Now now do what you need to do, Sly. Uh, thanks for listening to Upside Talk Politics. I've been Dodd Frank. I've been Glass Steagle. I've been a right-wing asshole. And I've been a stripper that owns five houses. Oops, I need the podcast. Comraderadio.com, independent podcasting network.